With spring football winding down, we assess how Dan Lanning and his staff have performed in their first offseason with the Ducks coming over and being assembled from all over the place, really. And we've got Joey Mack from the Oregon Sports Network. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again, Duck fans, for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view if you're watching on YouTube and you saw that wonderful wave from Joey Mack. Every day, like, comment, subscribe wherever you're listening to and or watching the show. This episode of Locked on Ducks is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts, and we are starting and ending today's episode with another guest appearance from Joey Mack. You can hear him on the Oregon Sports Network. He is the director of said network over there. He's on Ducks Insider. He's on the basketball broadcast as the play-by-play guy for men's basketball. He's on football doing sideline. He's on baseball with Jordan Brenner this year. He is everywhere, and now he is here on Locked on Ducks. Joey, it is great to have you back on the show, and good to see you here for the first time on YouTube. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry for everybody that you have done what we did with Duck Insider, which is add video so that everybody <laughs> has to actually see the face for radio. There's a reason that I got into the radio business, and now we're all doing live streams, and we're all doing these radio shows that are broadcast with video. It's really bad for the fans. It's just... It, Nobody wants it, um, but it's There's the modern right. evolution of of where we are. Why don't you have look at I mean, look at you? You got you got a bigger TV behind you than I do, and there's <laughs> nothing on it. What nothing what are you nothing doing? on it right now? It's not that kind of of TV. It probably could, but I would need someone with the technological wherewithal so far s- surpassing my abilities. It it would blow your mind. I would have no idea how to get something, but you make a good point. Maybe I should put something interesting on uh, on the TV behind me here. But something interesting that Oregon fans will want to hear from someone as connected as yourself, Joey, is just about this whole crazy off season that Oregon has had. Mario Cristobal leaves, Dan Lanning arrives, and then there's recruiting. You know, guys are in the portal and they're in and they're out, and it's just been all over the place. But the mood overall, at least from, from what I can discern from afar, Seems to be pretty good with some recruiting victories, the spring game. There were a lot of good things, which we'll get to there. But as you look at the entirety of spring football under Dan Lanning and the staff that he has assembled, how would you assess what you have seen so far as they have made the transition to Eugene? It's a big question. How long do I have? <laughs> you uh, you can have the floor for as long as you like. The recommended time answer is about four to five minutes. Boy, that's... Uh... Okay, here we go. It was a long off season, I, I think, for Duck fans. You know, there, there was so much going on. There was so much change. And, you know, you mentioned all the reports. I see all the same reports that everybody else does, right? Like, sometimes I'm just along for the ride in these things. And let's go back to, to when Dan Lanning took the job. I mean, it, I think there was a lot of excitement because if you looked at those lists that everybody puts together and reads at the beginning of every football season saying, hey, uh, who are the top head coach candidates? And it's usually guys that have been finalists for or winners of the Broyles Award previously for the best assistant coach. Well, Dan Lanning was at like the top of all of those lists. You go back to the beginning of the season. I don't think it's a surprise then that that 
Oregon hires a guy like Dan Lanning. He's coached the top defense in the country in two of the last three years as a defensive coordinator. And he said that he chose Oregon just as much as Oregon chose him. And a guy like that, you know that he had opportunities to go elsewhere. So I think that there was a lot of excitement when when he was the guy. There was certainly, as there is with every coaching search, a lot of scrutiny about it. One thing, though, that he has done so well, in my opinion, and this goes all the way down his entire staff, they wanted to connect to the Oregon fan base. They wanted to connect to the Oregon alumni. They wanted to connect to, frankly, the Oregon players. And I think they did that. The best story that I can tell, two of them, Seven McGee enters the transfer portal, meets with Coach Lanning, then he's out of the transfer portal. That felt like his first recruiting victory. And just look at the first play from scrimmage for the Ducks in the spring game. It's a huge play to Seven McGee. And I think you're going, yeah, it's probably good that he kept that guy on the roster. Um, And so I thought that was huge. And Seven McGee's talked about it since. And he's like, yeah, I just, I liked the plan that Dan Lanning laid out. Okay, recruiting victory. That's great. Still put together a top 25 recruiting class, one of the best on the West Coast, if not the best on the West Coast when all is said and done. There was certainly a lot of excitement when uh, Josh Connerly committed and uh, everybody probably saw those videos from the celebration. You know, that's what it's all about. It's supposed to be about that. And then I go forward to the spring game. And the spring game was truly a fan celebration as much as it was an evaluation day. Yes, it's the third scrimmage of of the spring slate. But man, the way that the 42,000 estimated fans came out, the way that the Ducks brought back alums, the way that the Ducks had some fun in a showcase and a great weather day. I mean, everything went about as well as it could go. And truthfully, truthfully, I mean this very sincerely, the support staff for Coach Lanning, they aimed for the stars with this thing. I mean, this was like they wanted to do a concert. They did that. Common Kings was here. They wanted to have every single alumni back that could possibly be here. Well, I talked with like 20 of them on the sideline, which was awesome, just selfishly for me to be able to walk around and be like, Ifo Ekpreolamu, how you been, man? Like, that's, that's what it's all about, right? The alums had a great time. The fans had a great time. We probably should have opened the parking lots earlier because it was packed the line was around the corner onto MLK before anybody could even get in. It felt like a game day atmosphere for a spring game. Um, Bo Nix even said post game, he was like, boy, that was, that was something. That was something. Um, So from top to bottom, start to finish, I, I, I think that there has been a lot of excitement generated. I think fans are fired up about it. I think that coach Lanning's done a great job. And I can't speak to the X's and O's as much as somebody like Mike Jorgensen can, right? I mean, Jorgie played quarterback here. There's a reason that he's the analyst and I'm the broadcast schmuck who runs around on the sideline. (laughs) Truthfully, though, I think there's a lot of excitement. And I think you talk to people. Nick Aliotti did the game for Pac-12 Network. and I think Nick Aliotti liked what he saw. You know, I'll trust those guys. They And I think fans are excited. And that's what it's all about. Yeah, I thought the the ever-growing list of former Oregon players who who ended up coming back to the game was spectacular and just you you jam-packed simultaneously excitement about the future and nostalgia into one day because you showed players like seven mcgee and and dante thornton and the running backs look good and there were a number of other playmakers that i've been talking about all week here on the show but then haloti nada was there probably probably the most dominant oregon defensive player in and still probably has the biggest hands i've ever seen (laughs) 
<laughs> of still... any individual. I mean, they're like, it, yes. it will engulf your entire hand. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Haloti was there. And then you had uh, Eric Armstead was there from the last national championship team. And then DeAnthony was there. One of the most electrifying players in team history. It was just so many great elements there. And I, I was really happy that they had as strong of a crowd as they did, because I think any program with, with spring games, it can be a little hit or miss sometimes, but I mean, the capacity of Otson is what? 56, 54,000 yeah. or so. Well, and, I, and I will say, I mean, Spencer, this is something I know that like we're talking football, but you talk about a community event. That's really what the spring game is, right? Like I think most coaches would tell you that the spring game, yeah, it's an evaluation day, but they don't really want to show a whole lot because it's basically free film study for their opposition, right? Like, yeah, I think we kind of all understand that now that Ducks had some fun with it, certainly. And they probably didn't show anything that other coaching staffs weren't going to be surprised to see. But the fact that it is a community event, the fact that, that the Ducks staff really leaned into that, it's also a cool thing for food for Lane County, right? So 33,600 pounds of food. That's awesome. awesome. I mean, you talk about a community engagement piece because there are certainly people, I don't know very many of them, but there are certainly people that don't really like sports that much. None of them are listening to this show probably, but <laughs> yeah. I think though that that truthfully, I, I say this kind of jokingly, but like I'm serious when I say stuff like that to make it a community experience, I think goes a really long way. And that's something that the Ducks have certainly embraced too. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that they, you know, we're making a big push about that. And it, it's good to hear that as, as someone who who was there and on campus for all this sort of stuff, that that's how it actually went. Because from afar, that's certainly how it appeared. I know you're, you're downplaying your own schematical uh, mastery, shall we say, but I'm still going to ask you about a couple of guys about the game because I, I think you're underselling yourself just a little bit, Joey. Maybe not a lot, but maybe, maybe just just a little bit there. But first, I want to talk to you all about Bet Online, your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, which have been great, and Major League Baseball, also great. Go Mariners. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm sorry for your Mariners fandom. You know, one day it's all going to be worth it. One one day it's, I don't know when that day is going to be. I hope it'll be this year, but I've waited my whole life for that one special moment that I've thought about when they get back to the playoffs. I don't know when it'll be. It could be this year. It could be five years. Whenever it happens, I'm going to be there and it is going to be so very, very, very worth it. Speaking five, of places 10, that 20. <laughs> It's just one at, one at a time, just one, one game at a time. Just, just put yourself in position. Eventually, hopefully it'll fall into, into the, the chess pieces will go how we hope. Anyhow, 
Getting back to the spring game here with Joey Mack of the Oregon Sports Network here on Locked on Ducks. Spring game had a lot of names going into it that people were looking at. And then coming out of it, there were a lot of highlight plays and, you know, big moments and players who stood out. We've talked about him this week. You know, Seven McGee had a number of great plays and Dante Thornton had two long touchdowns and DJ Johnson looked like a completely revamped player for the better on the defensive side of the ball. When you think of the game writ large, what stood out to you the most from an on-field perspective? Well, I think that the offense, to be honest with you, was exactly what Kenny Dillingham kind of wanted it to be, right? I mean, Coach Dillingham came in and said, Oregon's about speed, Oregon's about putting guys in space to make plays, and that's exactly what the offense is going to do. Well, I think they did that, you know, I mean, and, you know, it's tough because as a coaching staff, right, you're, you're looking at it and going like, man, well, God, yeah, the offense made a play, but does that mean the defense made a mistake, right? Like it's, right. you're playing yourself. Like you don't, you know, there's good and bad. There's ebb and flow throughout spring ball, the spring game, fall camp, every scrimmage. I mean, that's just kind of how it goes. I'm so used to watching practice like that, that that's how I watch the spring game too. But truthfully, I, I felt like after the fact, the fact that the coaches were like, yeah, there is a give and take, but the offense did get guys in space. The offense did have guys make plays. I thought on the offensive side, it was exactly what Coach Dillingham wanted it to be. And I think that's great. You know, certainly we, we've seen explosive plays and turnovers. Those are the biggest indicators of who's going to win a football game. Like, it truly can be that simple if you look at the analytics of a football game. So the offense generated explosive plays. And then talking about takeaways, that's my takeaway from the defense. The defense generated turnovers. Tosh Lupoy, Oregon defensive coordinator, really emphasizes that they want to be aggressive they want to get after it they did that and and, and right it's okay so then well did the offense make a mistake well coach Dillingham said that the quarterbacks did put the ball in jeopardy a few too many times okay there's there's your takeaway on the offense for limiting your takeaways and limiting your turnovers a lot of takeaways in that sentence but then it, it, it on the defensive side it's also okay but there are guys that are coached to try to force fumbles like they did to get after the quarterback and sack him four times like DJ Johnson did to have five tackles for loss like DJ Johnson did to make a play on a ball like Jaleel Florence did showing some ball skills and athleticism. Yeah. All of those things are, are coached on the defense too. So my takeaway was that Oregon is emphasizing the two things that really lead to a victory in a college football game. And that's explosive plays on offense Get guys in space, probably going to make some explosive plays out of it. Ducks did that. And then force turnovers, win the turnover battle. That's what their defense did, and that's what the defense wants to do. So, you know, that's the way to interpret it from the the overall Oregon perspective, right, is I think you saw good things on both sides of the ball. And the coaches, I I feel like they showed fans what we've been hearing about and, and have had them talk about in every interview they've done. Yeah, and the explosive plays started right from the jump, right, with that first play uh, to Seven McGee, which, you know, because it was first and it made that impression and made an impact, and because he's transitioning to wide receiver, a lot of people focused on that. But there were some other big plays as well. One of them from Chase Cota, unfortunately, got called back because of a penalty, but it was that one-on-one situation that, that Kenny Dillingham has been talking about. And I think we saw the quarterbacks 
willing to take those shots. We saw Thompson lay out a beautiful ball to Chris Hudson. Knicks had a couple great deep connections with Dante Thornton, the early one to seven McGee, which was a little bit of a busted coverage, but he was able to exploit that very well. And I think that they were willing to, you know, throw a few more of those 50-50 balls the way that a season ago, I think the offense didn't do a ton of. Occasionally, you'd see it to Devin Williams on a back shoulder down the sideline, but but that was sort of it. I, I was fascinated coming in, looking at the wide receivers because they've lost so much from a season ago. Devin Williams, Johnny Johnson the third, Jalen Red, Micah Pittman. Essentially, their top four pure wide receivers. I know Hudson came on strong at the end of the year, but going into the year and for most of the season, those were the top four guys at the wide receiver slot for for the Ducks. So what what did you see from from Seven McGee and Dante Thornton and Chase Cota? I thought they were the biggest standouts, but a couple other guys made some nice plays as well. What did you see from the wide receiver unit? Yeah, those are the three guys that were over 100 yards. I mean, I, I think that first, I mean, I think that Dante Thornton, Troy Franklin, the skinnies, uh, as they always called them, uh, I, I, I thought that those guys showed their potential. And then in the offseason, you can tell that that potential really got going, right? And that's that's what happens. I think I think sometimes the inclination is to to always think about the newcomers, right? And so in this case, it's Chase Cota, who, who's experienced. He brings in leadership, and and he's really fit in. Like he's fit in as like one of the guys. Truly, I mean, you've seen that. I, I think not just on the field, but off the field. So you know, with that in mind, I think there was a lot of focus on him, right? Because this is such a homecoming kind of a thing for Chase. Well. He made plays, did what he was supposed to do. The other side of that coin then is, okay, what about the guys that have developed? What about the guys that have kind of moved themselves up the depth chart just by natural progression of, and of getting better? I think that's what those guys, the Franklins, the Thorntons did, Hudson, you know, and I thought Hudson looked pretty good in, in kick return also. I, I think that that's something that maybe I have not done a good enough job talking about, at least on Duck Insider, is, is about the special team. Because Will Hutchinson, by the way, excellent punting the football uh that was great yes. to see so yeah, he was sharp but then the, the 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 real key though to me is a guy like seven mcgee you know making that transition he's just an athlete and that's what i love bo nick saying post game he goes you know what seven mcgee's just an athlete yeah he's changing positions but that guy's just a dude right i mean there's a reason that he was the number one player out of his state coming out of high school i mean i i think that that what i saw was guys that have progressed, have gotten better, and that's what you want to see over the course of an offseason and through spring because they're going to have to be the dudes. You know, I even think of an Isaiah Crocker a little bit. Like, those guys have to be the dudes now. You know, they are the elder, the elder statesmen of that room now. Yeah, and the guys throwing them the ball, of which we saw all three, you know, plenty of, Bo Nix, Ty Thompson, Jay Butterfield. There hasn't been an official starter named. When I watched that game, Joey, and I wonder if you saw this as well, it looked to me that, you know, and you'd expect this partially because of his experience having played three years of college football in the SEC as a starter and having won plenty of football games down there as well. It looked like Bo Nix was a step above Ty Thompson and Jay Butterfield. And I don't think he did anything incredible or amazing. I mean, he made some nice throws. The deep balls to Dante Thornton, I think those were welcome sights for Duck fans after not having a lot of downfield passing a season ago. What did you see from the quarterback room and, you know, Bo Nix in particular during the spring game? 
I'm amazed that we're 20 minutes in and this is the first time you've asked me about the quarterbacks. <laughs> I'm I'm like genuinely shocked that 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 it took this long. I, mean, I guess you're you know you're you're teasing the whole show to go, oh, when are they going to talk about the quarterbacks? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't think it's a surprise that Bo Nix looked good out of the gates because of his experience, you know, and 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 clearly the lights shining bright, he's a little more used to that, I think. And and that's just a natural thing. I don't know if that's true. I honestly have not asked Ty or Jay that. But I think that that makes sense to me, right? So, so I'll take your answer and I'll go with it. So I think I think that that, that Bo Nix certainly looks the part. I think that Ty Thompson and Jay Butterfield at times they really looked the part. Kenny Dillingham again, he said that they put the ball in jeopardy too often. I think all three of them did that truthfully. Uh, and in terms of throwing a touchdown, they all did that too, you know. And so I I don't know what what's my takeaway from the quarterback room. My takeaway from the quarterback room is that they have three guys that are pretty good. I think that it would be ridiculous to name a starter after the spring because why would you? I think that you want competition going into the fall for all of these positions. Everyone's going to talk about the quarterback because it's the most important position in all of sports. Okay, fine. But they want competition throughout the fall. If you're a coach, why would you name a starter and tell the other two guys, eh, just you're fine. Don't work hard in the offseason. Don't work hard in, in the strength and conditioning program. Yeah, you're, you're going to be the backup. It, it, you're fine. Why? That's a good point. Why, why, why would a coaching staff ever do that? And, and that's why, I, you know, when, when, when Kenny Dillingham, this was hilarious. I don't know if, you, if you've seen this or played it on your show, Spencer, but <laughs> Kenny Dillingham gets asked, to end his press conference on Monday after the final practice. Because the spring game was not the final practice, by the way. The, the mm-hmm. 15th practice was on Monday. Kane Dillingham gets asked, do you have a, a timeline of when you want to name a starting quarterback? Before the question could even finish, he goes, no. <laughs> Before the question could even finish, he goes, no. He knew exactly what he was asking, what he was being asked. And then everybody else in the media just paused. And it was Coach Dillingham goes, <laughs> Really rattled y'all with that one, huh? And then that was the end of the interview. That was the end of the press conference. Well, (laughs) you know what, though? That's because he's thinking the exact same thing that I just said, is we want competition, you know? So what's my takeaway from the quarterback room? I'll I'll come full circle for you. My takeaway from the quarterback room is there are three guys that made some nice plays and threw the ball downfield well. There were three guys that probably had a couple missed reads. That happens. There were three guys that put the ball in jeopardy a little bit too often. Who of them is going to start? We're going to find out in the fall. Yeah, and I, I know that there are a lot of Duck fans anxiously awaiting the the results of, or should I say, an, an actual answer there from Kenny Dillingham. I'm glad you shared that here on, on the show because I had not, I had not seen that that press conference yet, and that is, uh, I'm going to have to, right after we get get done recording here, I'm going to have to go look that up because. It, it was funny when you described it, but I feel like it was probably even more hilarious to feel the the silence and just the, I mean, like they, were they just completely unprepared for that answer? So truthfully, uh, well, I, I think that, I think that the way he played it made everybody a little unprepared. Truthfully on the Godux YouTube, we actually did put it up there, uh, but we didn't include the, the awkward pause toward the end because it felt like, in fact, I'm sitting in here in the studio with Scott, and I think maybe we need to go back and re-upload it. But that was what happened, <laughs> is is that was how it ended. So the, what, what you'll see on the Godux YouTube on the interview is him just going, no. And then it kind of fades out, you know. But that's what he said after the press conference ended, I guess. And, uh, you know, hey, look, that's 
that's part of the deal, right? Like, yep. like Spencer, who's going to start at tight end? I mean, any three of them could, frankly. I rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that I suddenly had input. It's good to know that I'm carrying that much weight here on, uh, on, on Locked on Ducks. Finally, with, with Joey Mack, director of the Oregon Sports Network, I want to ask you a, a quick basketball question to wrap up because as we record this now, we're still waiting official word on on several guys. There are some players that, that we know about, Colorado transfer Keyshawn Bartholomew. And he said that Quincy Garrier would be rejoining him next season. So as they're in this phase of waiting for a couple other names to officially announce whether they're they're coming back next year, and then you have Kel Ware coming in, who is uh, definitely a highlight-worthy player. If you look him up on, on YouTube, I think a little raw in his game, but can certainly become a high-impact player for the Ducks. You've got Dior Johnson coming in as well, and they've got a couple a couple other guys in class of 2022. What would you say right now is the overall mood around Oregon basketball? Oh, boy. Uh, I see all the same reports that everybody else does on the transfer portal. And I can only imagine what it's like being a coach right now and a personnel guy trying to figure out how to map out your roster. Because, I mean, wow, there's never been this many athletes in the transfer portal. It's the nature of college basketball as it is. So what's the overall mood? I think that there's an overall mood of excitement. We're recording this on, on what, what is today? Is today a it's Wednesday? Wednesday. Today's Wednesday. Isn't it? We're yeah, recording this so. on a, on a Wednesday. Well, Josh Jameson, who's been with Oregon men's basketball for a really long time. Today was just announced as an assistant coach at Louisville. He was the director of operations, executive director of men's basketball. And, I'm super stoked for Josh. That's an awesome opportunity to go be an assistant coach. So today, as of this moment, I think that there's excitement for a peer, but then there's also a little bit of an unknown of, you mentioned the roster, and then a little bit of, you know, what's the support staff going to look like? The Ducks already had a assistant coach become a head coach in Chris Crutchfield. He got to go be the head coach at his alma mater, which is awesome. So there's been some turnover this year on a staff that, to be honest with you, has not had a lot of turnover under Dane Altman in his 12 years. And so uh, I think that there's a little bit of, of still unknown, but I'd be lying to you if I said that they weren't excited about the roster. Uh, you mentioned some of the new guys coming in. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, Rivaldo Soares is coming back. He made that yep. abundantly clear on social media. You know, I, I think that there is excitement for what, for what this team can be because, and here's why last year, they had so many guys that were hurt, particularly the big men. They had so many guys that were hurt. They really didn't have a, a true normal offseason. None of them really had that development. Quincy Guerrier is one of them, actually. He was hurt for the majority of the offseason. So Dante coming back, right? I mean, he didn't really get, get his feet under him until later in the season. There are so many examples of that for men's basketball. And I think this year, the fact that they – it looks like at least they're having a normal off season. It's like, Oh yes. Like this is, this is great. Like that's, that's exactly what the ducks kind of needed. I think for this year, for last year. And, and so I think that there is a general level of excitement, you know, coach Allman's going to have to, to change some things. Chuck Martin coming in to replace Chris Crutchfield ducks are really excited about that. He brings a lot of coaching experience and recruiting and in his tenure to the table. So I think that there's a genuine feel of, of optimism with, with, with the roster, with the staff. Uh, but 
I'd be lying to you if I said there weren't at least some unknowns too, just uh, still moving forward in the off seasons. Um, the other unknown is how do the freshmen play? You know, that's always going to be a question. You know, you get guys coming in, how do the freshmen play? And how I much? I, yeah, exactly. You know, like there is an unknown there and that's what this, this season's going to be all about heading into the summer. So uh, I think that there's a level of optimism. I think that that they're excited about the makeup of what's coming of the team. Um, but to really truthfully be able to answer that question, yeah, they'll probably be in the summer before we'll really know when everybody's kind of getting going with that summer conditioning. I guess we'll just have to bring you back on sometime around then when we know a little bit more as well. Joey Mack, the director of the Oregon Sports Network, over there in Eugene. Joey, appreciate you coming back and taking the time to come on the show and talk to the wonderful fans of Oregon. Well, I'm sorry that your ratings are going to take a nosedive today. Uh, thanks, Spencer. Appreciate it, buddy. Hope you're doing well. Uh, doing absolutely great. I appreciate all of you for listening and or watching the show. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go 